0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. How many people here have done a retreat of uh, a week or longer? Wonderful. Okay. Um, And... um, of a month or longer. You, yeah. <clears throat> the reason I asked if Gay was coming back is she she just finished sitting the month and as she said she's too tired and one of the when you come back from uh, from a month your energy goes through lots of different swings and sometimes it's like wow i'm raring to go and other times it's whoa i've just run out of gas." so i'm sorry she's she's not here what's that oh and she goes to work at 3 a.m okay well you are definitely excuse me because i I was gonna just see if uh, she had any Thoughts and Tracy also just came back from from the retreat. And, uh, uh, anybody else who was here uh, on the the retreat that just passed? No. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, about intensive retreat practice, and a number of you have done done it, uh, but I'm. I'm so moved each time I I teach a month long or longer. Um, and I've been doing that, been doing the, the month long since we've had the retreat center which uh, at Spirit Rock, which started in uh, 98, I think. So that's, I took one or two years uh, off I think mostly the last 14 years, maybe 12 uh, February's I've spent uh, teaching there. And um, before that, we used to have the old students' retreat at Santa Sabina, which was um, usually three weeks, and just was at IMS for the six week uh, retreat in the fall. But each time, February is my anchor. For the year, and each time I, I do we just ended yesterday morning uh, each time I do I'm just so uh, inspired and amazed of how this all works, and looking back at the very beginning of the uh, of the month. And a number of people who hadn't done that length of practice, and you could see the trepidation on their faces, like, "What did I get myself into you know by the second day? Will I make it to the finish line and um just these last couple of days where the faces are shiny and radiant and um The hearts are so open and the feeling of connection that people have all in silence um, just gives me continued appreciation and inspiration for the practice. And so besides just looking at the longer, month-long retreat, just looking at practice in general, seeing how this stuff works, uh, by the way, as a, as I think about it, a- anything you you feel like like saying about your experience? Yeah. I don't want to don't want to put you on the spot. Uh, but if you and if you don't, that's fine. But if you want to share about what it's what it's like to the community, this is Tracy, who sat right up in front at the retreat. And she she's, she's comes on Thursdays, and uh, now I've gotten to know her. And I said, well, when you, when you come up, you've got to come here, you've got to sit up front, because I got used to her seeing her right up front.
1: <laughs> I sat <started> at his...
0: <laughs> is, it, is it on? Is it on?
1: Can you hear me? Yeah,
0: okay. yeah it's I a little see. low, so you've got to... Wait, uh, Jaime's going to turn it up just a, a touch. Yeah, it would be good, because we'll, we'll have some conversation with everybody. Okay, want to try it?
1: I got to sit at James's feet. A
0: little, bit, a little bit louder. Wait, I mean, hi, me. You don't have to.
1: I got to sit at James's feet, <laughs> <laughs> and so not only did I get beautiful dharma talks from James and the other teachers every night, but I think I got a lot of direct transmission from James. <laughs> Um,
0: I thought I was getting it from you (laughs) Um,
1: I think the the thing there's a lot going on in my mind right now but um, I think the thing that's coming to mind right now mostly is uh, how much gratitude I felt at the end and going in Right at the beginning, that was the the biggest feeling, was just to, to feel so much gratitude and so lucky to be able to take a month to do that, to deepen into practice. And, um, and then there was the month of practice, 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 and then again at the end, just so much overwhelming gratitude. Um, and... Uh, and I, I, the highlight, I guess, or um, what was really strong was just how much I, I got into practice and in this way that I would wake up in the morning at five or four or whenever I'd wake up and just feel like, oh, I, a day of practice. And I, I was just so excited to practice. Um, so, yeah, that's maybe, that's one of the gems of being able to give yourself a long time to sit, is to really feel it, um, feel the practice take over, or the practice just doing the practice, or the practice doing Tracy, I don't, I don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Great, thank you.
2: Huh. That's pretty
0: good. Got the words out. Yeah. And in a beautiful way. This is, uh, this is the Buddha um, saying to his monks, uh, it is the rainy season and I wish to live in solitude for these three months. And as you, if you know, uh, each year monastics spend three months that are called uh, the rains retreat, even if it's not raining where, where they are, because during the, the three-month rainy season in India, uh, the monks wouldn't be traveling around. It's a good time to just uh, go inward. So this is the Buddha saying, oh, it's the rainy season, I wish to live in solitude for these three months. During that time, the, the the monastics are doing their own silent practice, including the Buddha. I would like my only visitor to be the one who brings me food. At the end of the three months, he said, monks, if those of other faiths were to ask you what meditation did the Buddha practice during the rains, you should say, He spent the rains practicing the meditation of mindfulness on the in and the out breath. It was in this way monks that mindfully I breathed in and mindfully I breathed out. When breathing a long breath, I knew that it was long. And when breathing it out, I knew I breathed out a long breath, the same with the short breath, knowing it to be entering and knowing it to be leaving. In mindfulness, I was conscious of the entire process. In this way also, I practiced contemplation of the body. When standing, I was aware that I was standing. When sitting, there was total knowledge of sitting. And when lying down, the full experience of lying down. By experiencing each moment, my mind clung no more to the world. The mindfulness of in and out breath, of body contemplation, of keeping consciousness of the moment, is a noble occupation and a sublime way leading to independence of mind and to wisdom. So this is the Buddha talking about his own practice. And it's interesting to keep in mind, it wasn't like, okay, once you become a Buddha, then you can stop practicing. He wasn't doing it so he could improve, you know, and become a better Buddha. I at least that's my speculation. Who knows? Maybe he was, but I, I, did, I have a feeling not. He was doing it because um, it's a wonderful way to spend some time. There might be an improvement or a, a an inspiration to develop certain wholesome qualities as you practice, but you can let go even of trying to make anything happen. In fact, I would advise letting go of trying to make anything happen. And just trust that in the practice of being present for your experience, something extraordinary happens. Tracy was saying, you know, this feeling of gratitude that is almost the, um, the universal experience. Uh, it, it's it, Because you're, you become so awake to life and the heart is full and there is a, a feeling of, you've been practicing for all of that time to see the moment as complete where you don't need to add anything more, or take anything away to make it a better moment. So there's a feeling of completeness in just this moment. As the awareness and the connection with life becomes more and more vivid, so it is, everything comes alive. And in that feeling of completeness and presence, there is not only a, a contentment, but uh, a feeling. I was talking about this uh, on the retreat uh, last week. A feeling of of abundance, and that, as my as my son Adam calls it, I've mentioned it here. A feeling of abundant enoughness, where there's a everything is right here, but it's so full. And in that fullness, it kind of sp- it spills over and the very common experience is one of gratitude. Gratitude for being alive. Gratitude for being aware of this moment. Gratitude for the connection that we have with others around us. Gratitude for being exposed to a practice that that actually opens the heart and opens the mind. And it spills over in gratitude, in generosity, in love, in compassion and connection, in joy. It's amazing how simply paying attention or trying our best to pay attention has all of these beneficial effects. I mean, it doesn't seem like a whole lot is going on. Just sit, feel your breath coming in. Feel your breath going out. Knowing there's a sound. Knowing there's a sensation. Knowing there's a feeling. Just one moment after another, and that's the true Truly amazing thing how the Buddha somehow figured out in that simplicity, everything becomes revealed and there's this incredible opening of the heart as well. I'm gonna read a little bit more. Again, this is the Buddha. Find a place where you are alone. Train yourself in the following way. When you breathe in, experience experience breathing in. Breathing out, be fully conscious that you're breathing out. If you cherish and practice this, it will bear great fruit. Whatever you're doing and wherever you are, you will find steadiness, calm, and concentration if you become conscious of your breathing. And this to his son, Rahula, develop a meditation that is like water, Rahula. Doing this, you will find that the thoughts and impressions that possess you will flow away. They'll flow through you. Just as people wash away their body liquids, their sweat and spittle, pus and blood, and yet the water is not troubled or disgusted, so this water meditation will bring you peace. Basically saying that if you are practicing being the moment and letting the fluidity of the moment move through you, not get stuck on your stories or your thoughts or your feelings, it's all just moving through you like a, like a stream. And the more you practice it in a formal way, the less things get stuck in the rest of your life. It's like a little training ground to not have things stick, but to see that you are this flow of life, this process of life, where it can all move through you. And that includes the most um, intense emotions. You know, when you sit everything comes up and on a retreat of any length you will go through your ups and downs and your emotions but to see that nothing sticks you start more and more to trust that you can be here for it all and you don't have to hurry it along because if you try to hurry it along that's how you get stuck or you don't have to grasp onto anything more to make it a better moment, but you become that flow of life. You realize you are that flow of life and more and more, no matter what comes, you realize it comes, it's here for a while, it goes, whether it's delicious or challenging. And all you're doing is just sitting here, allowing the whole show to take place. There's an incredible empowerment that comes from doing this thing that is so against, as it said in in the text, against the stream, against the normal way of things, We look outside for completion or for security. And it's so radical to just sit here and witness and be the awareness that sees the whole show. There you are sitting and letting it all all come and go and come and go and come and go. And you're the awareness that can be here for all of that. To realize that underneath all of that coming and going, there's an awareness that is always here that you connect with, that can be here for anything happening in your life. Mm -hmm. So, then when you come out, when you come back, um, how do you begin to explain to others how this works? You know, I, I've shared this before. The first time, who is it, Timothy was asking me about what my parents said when I first started teaching. That was nothing compared to when I first started meditating longer retreats the first time i did a three-month retreat they couldn't believe it three months you're going to do what for three months you know but the second time i did it didn't you get it the last time (laughs) what's the deal here you know It's so hard to explain, and yet there's this inner fantastic journey. Was that the name of the movie one time, Fantastic Journey? It's this inner fantastic journey that you're in that just keeps on revealing itself and that you find more and more connection to that place of stillness and that courage and that willingness to be here with anything that just gets developed that it becomes who you are it's not that that you're discovering anything that wasn't already in your innate potential and we all can access that place inside of us that's quite extraordinary Mm. All in the willingness to be here. This is a a Dana Faulds poem, my favorite poet, called Willingness. In the willingness to feel, there is healing. In the choice not to closet, cast aside, or deny experience, Energy is freed and I dive deeper into life. There may be maturity in choosing not to act, but there are no rewards for suppression and denial. To be fully alive is saying yes to the wide array of human feelings. When I soften release, and breathe, I discover I am more than what I think, feel, reason, or believe, all in the willingness to be here for the show. Mm. So um, I think I'll just stop here and see whether it's questions about Retreat practice, or about practice in general, or any other dharma points. I, I've been the last uh, three nights. I've given dharma talks uh, on Monday night uh, at the retreat, and the last two nights for the joy course. So I thought I'd uh, I'd actually be. It'd be nice to just uh, answer questions and, uh, and have a dialogue like that. It's been also a while since I've been here and I want to feel the community and hear you as well. So, And if you if sitting a retreat just seems like, or sitting a month long seems like so far from your reality, um, no no judgment. You can do this even on a daily practice sitting and taking the time and the willingness to be here for your experience has its own quite profound effect. So I don't want to um, just have this, uh, this evening um, addressed to those who can or have sat longer retreats. Uh, this is, there's something miraculous about mindfulness practice, no matter how long or short. Uh, you've been sitting. So, please, anything that that comes up that you'd like to bring up or ask about practice.
3: Um, I feel like I need a physical component. Like I always have to do yoga or go for a walk. Like even I didn't tonight, really. And like my back, I feel like I can't. You know, mm-hmm. it's so. It's so a part of that for me, mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of my fear of kind of going on a retreat <laughs> somewhat, is uh-huh. that it's not going to be physical enough. I just feel like I need that component for mm-hmm. me to to let go also. I just feel like I have that real sense that, you know, the mind-body connection, I understand that mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. You know, So I don't know if you can address that. Yeah, well,
0: first of all, on, on retreats, we do, there is a, uh, Um, movement session of yoga every day. And between the the sittings, uh, it's not just between the sittings, there's sitting practice and walking practice. And for some people, um, they do more walking practice. As as the Buddha said, doesn't matter what posture it is. So it's more a matter of the mindfulness, the continuous continuity of, of mindfulness. That's really the key. And you do it at whatever way supports your mindfulness. It's not so much how long can you sit. It's it's just can you be as present as you can throughout the day. And I like to make it like a game, so it's not like a, a pass-fail test. But if you sat here for the, the 40 minutes we sat, um, usually the, the sittings are... 45 minutes um, there's one hour sitting in the morning but one can skip a sitting and you you just decide you're doing more walking or you're doing more movement and that's absolutely fine
3: I had one other question about interview because <laughs> uh-huh. like if I went on a retreat like I would be cool if like you were there and I thought I could get an interview with you but I'm always like worried like what if some other teacher that I don't actually trust and, I'm, and I really need to You know, Mm. an interview with someone I felt like I could trust because of what was going through me. And is there some flexibility in that? And then, what? How often do you do interviews?
0: Yeah. So on retreats, um, usually you're scheduled every other day for an interview. On a longer retreat, we take a day off during the week, so there's uh, every so often. It's like um, uh, a third every. Uh, it's two days, two days, and then there's like um, a third day that um, when there's a day off. But it's usually every other day where you connect, you check in for about fifteen minutes, um, and when we do the retreats, usually you're you're seeing two teachers if there's a team, and you're switching back and forth with the uh, with those two teachers. If there's a really strong um, connection and the teacher and and you feel that would be supportive you can just see one teacher uh, that's possible and if at any time you're if it's not working out for some I, I would say by and large the spirit rock community of teachers is, is quite exceptional so uh, you really you're in good hands but sometimes if there's not a resonance, you can just say, you know, this isn't clicking. Uh, I wonder if I could switch. If you do it towards the beginning of the retreat, where we're still trying to get the interview schedules, then that's always possible. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you.
3: Thank you. Um, So you mentioned uh, when you first started doing longer retreats that family members were not really quite understanding mm-hmm. what was happening and i had that experience coming off of fairly short retreat mm-hmm. um when uh, i guess the re-entry was difficult because family members were not understanding what it was all about and i was so excited about it mm-hmm. um can you talk a little bit about that because i have mixed feelings about it now
0: because the reentry was 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 difficult, and your family couldn 't understand, yeah, well, I had to learn to not be the big salesman you know, because it's it 's weird for people who don 't understand you know just what what somebody would would gain from it, and so rather than um, Rather than coming on strong, I just more and more let the practice do the the soft sell. As uh, there's a famous exchange, this woman who was who got uh, into the into the practice, a dharma practice, and she was um, she lived in uh, really in the in the outlying areas of uh, of. Uh, was Alberta uh, Canada and she was in a uh, she came from a a fundamentalist Christian family and and when she came back very excited about her practice um, they thought that she was um, had joined a cult and was possessed and they even had her um, uh, brought in an exorcist you know so she's writing this whole this long letter this of how difficult everything, you know, has been. She's writing this to Ramdas and she uh, near the end of the letter she says, "But you know, it's so interesting. My parents hate me when I'm a Buddhist and they love me when I'm a Buddha." And so that's really the the key to just and that's what happened with, with me after a while my parents saw something good is going on there something you know, he seems a bit kinder, he seems a bit less reactive he seems even nicer to us you know. <laughs> and um and they started to get curious, especially my dad passed away uh, in nineteen eighty four so it, it, it didn't. There wasn't time for him to really see all the, the fruits. Uh, but my mom, after not that long after, she started getting it, and you know she she would you know come to a dharma talk. She w- if she's around, she wouldn't miss a dharma talk. She's ninety three now, but she's you know she listens and uh, and uh, and I say, oh, I'm going. I just booked her a couple of days ago. You know, are you back yet from your retreat you know and oh she knows my schedule and it took a little while, but just your own being is is the best is the best testimonial and other than that being really soft with uh, you know trying to explain, although you can say these days that what we do on retreats is now taught in Kaiser and taught in businesses and thought to be you know, make you a more productive efficient uh, and happier worker and, uh, and now it's in the mainstream so they can relate to that that there wasn't there wasn't that going on when I was doing it but you can just point mindfulness is shown to really work uh, that's why they teach it in Kaiser so this is just learning it uh, a little bit more in a, in a much more focused way so that you become, it's like a little training. Like when you, one, one example I use is like doing um, martial arts. You know, at the very beginning, you have to practice your, your form very diligently and carefully. And then as you become more, uh, as you master it more, then you can have people coming at you and <laughs> like that, you know. And three people, they can go flying. But at the beginning, you you practice, and so it starts to have its effects in your life. Where you, what I say is, I'm just a bit kinder and friendlier with myself, and a bit more patient and, and trusting uh, in in life, too. The back here, why don't you uh, wait? Well, we just uh, because it's going to be recorded, so uh. thanks. Is it on? Oh, wait, I gotta turn it on. Is it not?
1: Okay, uh-huh. just a quick question about the upcoming retreat. Oh yeah, the um, how the logistics, like, you know, what happens really, like basics, just the basics as far uh-huh. as timing and
0: for that for the weekend retreat.
1: Yeah, as an example of it, a retreat of a yeah small retreat. actually,
0: the weekend retreat is like a, a mini retreat experience. From um, except you are not there for a month; you are just there for. Uh, a short time, so we meet, we start on Friday evening and uh, uh, all come together as a community and uh, go through a typical day of practice of sitting and walking and sitting and walking and and eating and all done in, in silence. Uh, I would have um, a couple of group interviews. If you're in the need of checking in besides the group then that's always available but it's uh, and then going through Saturday uh, through Sunday uh, Sunday mm, I think through lunch so it's really Friday through Sunday lunch and there's a chance for you to kind of uh, uh, have a little transition for the rest of the day before you you work on before you do whatever you do on Monday Um, but it's a mini experience where you're learning the basics and learning um, being with yourself not just learning the basics but actually if you've been doing a lot of retreat when you do a short retreat you tap into that place so uh, i used to think oh well you know how much can you do in in a weekend a lot can happen in a weekend and if you've done practice before it's like you remember you're you're reconnecting with that but if you're new to it then you kind of get a, a sense of what it 's like to um, really make friends with yourself for the weekend any any question any other questions that that, well,
1: you might have n- that? not other than coming here is enough prerequisite to go to, on a retreat like that
0: Oh yeah okay. for a weekend absolutely absolutely. It might seem like a huge leap, but um, Every weekend ends. It doesn't get stuck in the middle. And you, you can just take care of yourself as needed. What I like to, 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 um, to think of is that the practice is a nourishing experience. This is not something that you're strapped in and have to struggle and make it to the finish line. I like to emphasize really being uh, kind and patient with your mind and with the whole practice. And so you do whatever you need to, to remember to let the mind be as much as possible, relaxed and, uh, and kind with what's going on. Yeah, if you're new to it, it would be actually a, a, a really good um, introduction. I, now I must confess, the first part of any retreat there's a settling in period whether it's a month or three months or a week and a weekend has its own settling in period but for most people it takes a few days to really to land to the point where there's continuous stretches of mindfulness so It's not like, okay, I'm gonna do a weekend and really get clear, no. Actually, what a weekend, a big part of a weekend is really being kind and patient in a very profound way and you see this mind do its thing, but you don't have the goal or the expectation that you're gonna get super concentrated or clear. But something very powerful happens in the willingness to just be here for that whole show. Yeah, here my Jim
2: Hi. Um, <clears throat> so, you were mentioning about mindfulness um, kind of spreading through our culture and, and um, uh, being taught at Kaiser. And uh, I was up at Spirit Rock yesterday morning. And uh, just to share, uh, Wednesday mornings they have a really wonderful um, class, a two hour class with a sitting and a Dharma talk every Wednesday morning. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, uh, Sylvia Worstein was uh, doing the group, and she asked Jack Cornfield to come in and talk about the Wisdom 2.0 mm. conference that mm. he had attended, uh, la- I guess it was last week.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: And, um, yeah, it was really wonderful. I mean, he was talking about people from Twitter and Google, I mean, really high-up executives um, who are... Who have meditation practices and who are um really trying to incorporate compassion and wisdom into their work and into the technology kind of taking the technology and using it in a way that's helpful to people and um just um you can you can actually go to wisdom 2.0 on the on the web and watch the videos, they're still available of the different speakers. So um, that was really wonderful, really inspiring. Um, and uh, let's see, the other thing was, oh, I wanted to share something I read today, which, and maybe comment on it, um, which was uh, from a book called The Mindful Path to Self-Compassion. Mm. And um, he was talking about mindfulness in there, and he said we're not trying to do it right. Actually, what we're practicing is letting go of the idea that we're supposed to do it right. And I just felt that was really helpful for my practice to, um, to be reminded of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent, I couldn't agree more. You know, how can, you, how can you do the moment wrong? Only in your mind can you do the moment wrong. I'm doing this wrong. You know, when really the practice is to simply open up to what's actually here, including the mind that says I'm doing it wrong. Oh, and there's that too. So it's just getting bigger than your idea of what the moment should be like to include it all, oh, and here's confusion, or here's fear, or here's love, or here's boredom, or here's joy, or here's breathing in and breathing out. So there's nothing, you can't fail at the moment. And when you realize that, it's so, uh, it's so freeing, when you let go of the agenda and you just realize, oh, I can simply relax into letting life be as it is and just being present for it. What could be simpler? And it turns out, what can be, it can be so elusive to just realize that you don't have to improve the moment at all. So I think absolutely right. That's how I see it.
2: Thanks. Um, I forgot the ending of the story from yesterday, which was that uh, Jack had to leave after he had talked about the Wisdom 2.0 conference because he was going over to UC Berkeley. And he had had been... uh, asked by the professors at the law school to go over and talk about mindfulness with them.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's the whole mindfulness in the law that uh, our friend Charlie Halpern uh, runs. And uh, there's a mindfulness program in the law school at Bolt. And um, Wisdom 2.0 this huge gathering it's it's the happening thing see this is the cool thing when, when i first was starting out it was like you know well, what is this meditation stuff now it is it's really where it's at in the culture mindfulness in schools you know mindful schools in uh, in a city oakland and all around mindfulness in uh In the in law mindfulness in health mindfulness in business, it's there was uh, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, you know the great historian Arnold Toynbee, um, he said that um, he thought that looking back on the twentieth century that perhaps uh, the most significant thing in the 20th century might be Buddhism coming to the West. Now that's a, an amazing foresight, but he thought the the infiltration of mindfulness practice into the West uh, and Eastern philosophy was going to have huge ramifications for the development and influence of our culture. And um, I'm hoping he's right. Uh, it looks that it's probably one of the most important developments when you think about it, becoming a little bit more conscious in our culture. And now it's, with the information age, spreading throughout the world, especially when the the folks who run Google and Twitter and uh, all of these, these big informational networks are saying mindfulness is where it's at. It's going to be so exciting. Isn't it going to be... I mean, that's worth hanging around for, just to see what the possibilities are in these next years and, and decades, you know, it's not all bad news as much as it might look that way and you kind of read the newspapers and say, I can't believe it, oh no, what are humans saying to each other? You know. Well, what makes news is the sensational stuff, but it's not making news that there is an explosion of consciousness in the human unfolding that's never been here before. And uh, I think that's pretty exciting, worth hanging around for. So any last comment before we go? Okay, so let's close with a short loving-kindness. Just as you're sitting here, feel your own goodness inside or whatever it is that pulls you to come and sit with others on a Thursday night. That in itself is a, an amazing gift that you've discovered. Something that wants to grow and wake up deep inside of you. and just send some kind thoughts to that good heart that wants to grow and wake up. May I open to all the happiness and goodness in my life. May I discover the peace that's right inside and have more and more connection to it. May I share my love well. May I wake up to my true nature And then just spreading those thoughts out from your own heart, including everyone here, and out to all beings in all directions. As I want to be happy, may all beings find happiness. May all know real peace inside. May all touch their goodness and share their love skillfully well. May all wake up to their true nature. And may our coming here together be a benefit not only to ourselves, to everyone in our lives, and to all beings everywhere. May all beings find happiness and peace. Thank you. Have a great week, see you next week.